Indeed, Lord, we sing your praise today and every day. Because Christ has been risen from the grave, and because Christ has been risen, our faith is not in vain. There is hope. Death has lost its sting and has lost its power. Brokenness has lost its power. Lord, you, you make things all new. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a seat. It's great to see you all this morning. Um, My name is Cameron. I'm the pastor here at Conduit. Based on, I would say, 90% of the comments from this morning, I'm not exactly sure yet what the bigger miracle is that I put a suit on or that Jesus rose from the grave. But this is your first time at Conduit. And you're saying, well, wow, that that pastor, he really dresses like a pastor. Um, Don't get used to this. Uh, You get a suit on Easter, and that's about it. So, (laughs) Um, uh, in all seriousness, it's so good to see you all here. Uh, We're grateful that you have chosen to celebrate Easter with us. Um, And uh, we're we're going to step right into it this morning. Uh, we ended, we ended our our Good Friday service just a, a few nights ago uh, with this really stark image of death, and uh, like I mentioned that night, and like I've mentioned many times before, that when when those of us who follow Jesus, when we look at when we look at the cross, we see a symbol of life, and we see a symbol of hope, and we see, uh, you know, something that we put on a, on a necklace and we wear it around our neck, or a piece of jewelry, or maybe we get a tattoo, or we, we look at, we hang it in our homes, right? We hang the cross in our homes, and we see it, and it provides, or it gives us these feelings of, like, warmth and um, encouragement and, and hope, Right? Where, well, well, for us, the reason that we can, the reason that we can do that is because, is because God, in his, in, his, in his wisdom, in His power, in His majesty, took what was for Jesus an object of death and turned it into, for us, to be an, to be an object of life. So, so something that was full of dread, something that was full of fear, something that was full of of pain, God, God took and redeemed it and transformed it so that now when we look upon it, we look upon it with awe. We look upon it with glory. We look upon it with honor for what God has done in the midst of what the world decided would be a symbol of death and destruction and fear. God has turned into a symbol of hope into a symbol of life, into a symbol of faith. Now, for you and I, we, we couldn't use that same symbol in that same way because for us, it's like almost universally a, 
a, a symbol that we love to see, right? So what is a symbol that for us kind of is always, always, um, we, we see it and it's always symbolized death. Well, it's, for me, it's like a, a coffin, right? Um, and so we, we use this symbol on, on Good Friday to evoke an image of, of what happened with Jesus and, and the reality that the, the followers of Jesus, the disciples of Jesus, must have been experiencing on that night. A symbol of us filled only with um, dry, withering, lifeless um, flowers and grass and, and, and nothing, of, nothing of beauty. Nothing that you would want to take and place in your home or wear as a symbol around your neck. But this morning and today is the day that we once again celebrate that everything that the world uses to symbolize brokenness and hopelessness and death and destruction and darkness in your life, right? God is ready, willing, and able to redeem. God is ready, willing, and able to take everything that is broken, everything that is dark, everything that is dying and withering away in your life, everything that you think will cause only death and destruction, and renew it, and redeem it, and bring beauty and life. He will take every grave that you have laid in, and he will turn it into a garden. Every single one. And so even this morning, we're here to redeem every image of death that the world has given to us. Because in Jesus, every image of death and brokenness and despair in your life can become an image of life. I hope that this is, I'm not preaching on coffins this morning, obviously, but I hope that it, I hope that it evokes a picture, a symbol in your mind of what God does, what God is doing in the work and the life of Jesus Christ. And if you need a good coffin builder, let me know. I've got, a, I've got one in mind. I'll give you his card. Okay. Um, in all seriousness, we come to celebrate Easter Sunday uh, as people of faith, as Christians. Um, the Apostle Paul said that if, if Jesus had not been resurrected from the dead, then our faith is worthless. It is in vain. Meaning that, that this very moment, this very celebration, that, that this day is the, the critical moment, the, the, the center moment, the apex, the, the top of the mountaintop, that without this, nothing else in life and nothing else in faith matters at all. If Jesus had not defeated the grave, if Jesus was not resurrected from the dead, it doesn't matter how good of a person he makes you, right? It doesn't matter how good your conduct is. It doesn't matter how much the circumstances of your life 
have changed. If Jesus doesn't change the eternal trajectory of all of life and all of existence, every little minute adjustment that we can make in the here and now eventually will wear out. Eventually will fade away. Eventually will just die. But, but in Jesus, everything that He does in us, every, every seed that He plants is a seed of eternity is a seed that bears fruit into eternity. Well, I ended the Good Friday service with, with this phrase, that, that life, life is the most hopeless. The most hopeless that it will ever be right before hope comes pouring in. Immediately before hope comes pouring in, it will never be more dark. It will never be more broken. It will never be more alone. And so, on Good Friday, we stand in kind of bated breath, kind of, kind of holding our breath, waiting for the moment that hope comes pouring in, comes rushing in, knowing that it is just a day or two, or three away, where hope changes everything. One of the accounts, we're going to be in two separate accounts of the um, Gospels this morning that kind of paint the picture of the resurrection and tell us the story of the resurrection from two, two, different, um, two different perspectives. First, we're going to start out in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, so if you have a Bible with you, you can open that up to Mark chapter 16. If you, if you don't, there's one in the seats with you. you can, there's, if you have the Conduit Ministries app, which you should have, if you don't have it, download that for free. Um, uh, there's a Bible uh, tab on the app. And of course we have it up on the screen here for you as well. When the Sabbath was over, Mark chapter 16, verse 1, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb. Seems like a question they should have asked themselves before they bought the spices, but that's just me. Um, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. So if you think about the experience that these women uh, were having, they had been witness to Jesus' life and ministry. We knew that they followed Jesus for most of his ministry. And they were also witness to his death. 
Um, in fact, it was um, scripture, uh, the, all the gospel writers proclaim that it was only the women who had the courage to stick with Jesus through the resurrection. All of the men, all of the disciples, they vanished, right? They abandoned him in his hour of need, right? But the women stuck with him the entire time. And, and then they obviously had the, the honor of Jesus to go and, and to purchase spices and go to the tomb uh, in the, on that third day, that third morning, to go and anoint his body or to continue to care for it even in death as part of their tradition. But, but with, it, it, doesn't take much, it doesn't take much imagination to, to realize that they had... They had completely resigned themselves to the death of Jesus. Meaning that they had fully accepted the reality, the reality, right, that Jesus was dead. Not not dead and will come back to life like he said he would, but no, he was dead. Like, we're, we're going through the process of anointing his body. You know, we're not... We're not waiting for him to come back. You know, and Jesus had, had told the disciples multiple times in his ministry, hey, look, this is what's going to happen. I'm going I'm to be betrayed, arrested, tried, crucified, died, placed in a tomb, but don't worry, I will rise again. I will come back from the grave. And like, like most of us, you know, the disciples hung on all of the things that they didn't want, all of the bad news, right? The bad news that they got was that Jesus was going to die, and so they hung on that, right? And it's like they didn't even hear the good news that, but don't worry, I'll come back from the grave. Because all of the disciples, hiding in fear, not, not waiting in anticipation for Jesus to come back, the women here going to buy spices to further anoint his body um, as it's, as it's you know, decaying, they had fully resigned to the fact that this was just the lot in life that their teacher, their leader, the one that they were following, that this was just it, just it. They had given themselves over to hopelessness. They, have, they had given themselves over to the reality that all of their expectations about who Jesus would be and what their life would be with him and what he would bring for them were now crushed, were now abandoned, were now, were now broken and could be placed in a grave. And so I'm not exactly sure what their plan was for when they got to the tomb, but it says that they, you know, kind of were having this conversation on the way. Well, going to anoint Jesus' body, oh wait, there's this huge stone. Who in the world is going to, is going to move this for us? I, I don't know if they were concocting a plan as they were, as they were on there, as they were on their way, as they were... You know, maybe, maybe we can, you know, convince someone to help us or whatever, but there, in some way, shape, or form, we, we got to get in there. We got we to gotta see Jesus. We, we got we to gotta take care of them. I think there's an important reality for us to maybe draw out of this is that um, however hard, um, however hard we may try, whatever, whatever good plan we we have in life or in your faith or in your ethics or in your morality or in the way that you live your life as just a good person. Like Whatever plan you can concoct, 
to like get into the tomb, like you're not, you're not strong enough. You cannot roll the stone away from the tomb. If the tomb, if the empty tomb is seen as a symbol of life in Jesus, we, we must come to this, this understanding that Mary or that the, the women did on their way to the tomb that they were exceptionally powerless to get into the tomb on their own. And, and, and just the same that we, we are exceptionally powerless to, to really con- concoct any plan that produces new life for ourselves. Well, you know what? I'm just going to try harder tomorrow. Trying hard is good. <laughs> Effort is good, right? Working on yourself is good. You know, I'm just going to, I'm really going to sit down with my journal and I'm going to create like purpose and a plan, and a vision, and, and re-inject hope into my life. Like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I, I got this. And what we need to realize, and I think we all do realize when we sit, uh, you know, like lay in bed at the end of the night, is that every single thing that we have tried to produce purpose, to produce hope, to produce um, the... The, the confidence of eternity all on our, our own ends up failing. We end up like Mary and um, the mother of James when they're on their way and they're like, yeah, hold on a second, we forgot. We can't do this on our own. We can't get there. We can't, we can't, we can't do the thing that we think we need to do on our own. See, if, if, Jesus, if Jesus had not rolled the stone away, the women never would have had the experience of the empty tomb. It was, it was Jesus giving the women access to the tomb by rolling away the stone that allowed them to see that resurrection was not just possible, but it was a reality. It is, it is Jesus that produces new life. It is no plan that you have. It is no um, ten steps to a better you. It is no Oprah's book club. It is not E2M or whatever the kids are doing these days, right? Um, it is, it is not any of those things, right? If, if Jesus does not open the door to new life for you, then it, it doesn't happen on its own. Any plan that we have on our own merit to come to an experience of eternal life is a proverbial stone too large for us to move on our own. I also wonder what, um, I mean, we know what the women were expecting to find when they went to the tomb that day. And I think that um, expectations are important, <laughs> especially 
on a morning like this, on a day like this. It wasn't in Mark's Gospel, but in John's Gospel, when he is recording like these events here at the tomb and in the resurrection, um, he recounts Jesus asking Mary a really significant question. Uh, in John chapter 20, Mary appears to Mary Magdalene in verse 13, John 20, 13, and verses following. The angels asked her, um, Woman, why, why are you crying? She had, she had walked up to the tomb, right? And, and John recounts that, that upon seeing the tomb empty, that she was not filled with hope, right? She was not filled with like, Oh, yes, I remember. He said, you know, it was again hanging on the negative. Woman, why are you crying? And she said, they have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was him. Woman. He said, this is Jesus, woman, he said, why are you crying? Here's the question. Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go to get him. The question that Jesus asked Mary almost seems, in a way, to be a little rhetorical. He asks Mary, like, basically, why are you here? What, what, what is it that you're, what did you expect to find? What did you expect to experience this morning? And I think the question is appropriate um, not just for Mary in that moment from Jesus, but it's appropriate for you and I this morning as well. Some of us have maybe gone to church our whole lives, right? And, and in a very real way, you may be here this morning because um, you always go to church on Easter. And you always go to church on Sunday, right? It's just what you do, okay? Um... And that's okay. There's zero judgment about, about why, why you're here, but I think it's fair for you to ask yourself the question, what exactly are you expecting to find this morning? What did you come here this morning expecting to witness? Expecting to see? Because I think the reality is, is that many of us come on a Sunday morning, whether it be Easter or any Sunday morning, we come, we come expecting to see you know, the same type of Jesus that Mary and the women were probably expecting to see. Present, Jesus was present, right? He'll be there, but he's pretty lifeless. Not, certainly not alive, 
Certainly not glorified. Certainly not exhibiting power over life and power over death and power over the grave. Yeah, he's there and I see him and I love him, but my expectation of him is so infinitesimally small that I, I really have, it's not celebratory. I'm not going with this sense of, of expectation of, of encountering the, the resurrected Jesus, of, in, of, in, of encountering the miraculous power of the Spirit of God who raised Jesus back from the dead. And what I'm certainly not coming to experience is one of perhaps the even greater miracle of Easter is that the life that was in Jesus on that morning is not just a life that stays with him, but is a life that is offered to you as well. That the same victory over the grave, the same victory over darkness, the same victory over brokenness, the same redeeming power that took a tomb and turned it into a miraculous site of the resurrection can be yours as well. I mean, because if we're all honest, we would expect that God the Father and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit would be like an environment where we see all kinds of miracles, right? We read about them all in the Bible and we see that, yeah, Jesus healing people from the dead and making um, wine out of water and multiplying the fish and the loaves and healing people from sicknesses and disease. That's like par for the course for the life of Jesus. What we have a harder time believing is that when we lay in the grave of our lives, that the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit can actually live in us as well. That it wasn't just about Jesus coming back from the dead. It was about him taking all that was broken and dead and gnarly and withered up in your life and saying, that is not the life that I want to live from you. Every grave that you have embraced, every bit of hopelessness, every, every tomb that you were going to expecting to find just a dead and lifeless Jesus, I am going to inject this with the hope of the Holy Spirit and every grave that you're experiencing, I'm going to turn it into a garden. I'm going to take every brokenness and I'm going to mend it. I'm going to take every death and I'm going to bring hope. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, every, everything that makes you anxious, everything that makes you scared, I'm going to bring you peace. Every bit of pride, I'm going to bring you humility. Every bit of death that you are wearing around with you, just believing, well, yeah, this is just the reality now. This is just my lot in life. This is, just, this is what I've done. These are the choices that I've made. These are the, the decisions that I've made. And so, like, I'm just going to wear the consequences around for the, rest of your, for the rest of my life. Look, listen, Jesus came out of the grave with new clothes on. And Jesus is ready to clothe you in a robe of redemptive glory. Everything is new. Everything changes. Nothing is the same. When we embrace not just the reality of life from death, but when we embrace the person who made it all happen. It can be yours as well.
it continues to be interesting to me. I think I could think about this and talk about this and ask the Lord if I would have been in the same shoes or in the same place that we find that the disciples were on that morning or in that whole experience. You know, of course, um, exhibiting in the midst of the, uh, the ministry of Jesus and the life of Jesus, uh, a willingness to follow, a willingness to learn, um, to, be, to be sent out, to do the type of ministry and the things of ministry that Jesus was doing, to be commissioned by him. And, um, and then in the, in the last moments where like, Jesus needed them the most, right? And they were all like, oh no, Jesus, we're here for the end. Like, we're, we're with you all the way to the end. And then, like, as soon as it got hard, they all split. And I, I just wonder, like, uh, would that be me? And, of course, I think we all say, well, no. <laughs> I mean, like, like Peter, right? Listen, Lord, I will never leave you. Uh, I, will never be, I will never betray you. Right? I will, I will never would never turn my back upon you. And certainly I'm going to remember that, that, that you'd said, right, that you're, that you're coming back from the grave and that, and that and, you know, and that, and that I can have the same life that you have. I, I'm going to hang my head on that, Lord. Like, I'll just, I'll just sit here and wait. Right? Well, it's really clear that after the women saw the tomb was empty, Right? They like beelined sprint right? for where they knew all of the disciples were. Right? First proclaimers of the resurrected Jesus were not the preachers, were not the chief priests, were not the religious leaders. The first witnesses and proclaimers of the resurrected Jesus were women. And they busted into the room. We have seen the resurrected Lord. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Don't believe you. No, for real. We, like, we saw him. He spoke to us. He said my name, liar. No, you didn't. He's dead. Right? Listen. It, we don't want to be them. Right? But we are. But we are. Because we regularly, we regularly embrace hopelessness. We regularly embrace the idea that this cannot change. This will not change. This is just the way it is. This is what I will always experience. This is what I will always have. There will be no miracles in my life. Nothing will be resurrected. Nothing will be made new. It doesn't matter how many times someone tells me that Jesus can make it all new. Jesus can create a new um, trajectory for my life. Jesus can change it. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Nope. Nope. Don't believe it. It doesn't matter how many preachers tell you. It doesn't matter how many times you read about it in the Bible. It doesn't matter if Jesus were there himself telling you, hey, don't worry, like, don't worry. 
Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm with you. I've got this. We've got this. It's going to be okay. You see it as only a grave. I'm going to make it a garden. I'm going to make it a garden. Right? And, and I think in our heart, we, we want to say, oh, Jesus, I do believe you. Thank you. Help me in my unbelief. But I do believe you. We see the disciples here, like verse 13 of Mark chapter 16. Or I'm sorry, verse 11 and verse 16. Uh, she went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. And they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him. And they did not believe it. Then in verse 13, uh, after, afterward Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest. Um, but they did not believe them either. Right? I don't know where you find yourself this morning on the spectrum of belief. But allow me to be one more time, one more voice, one more witness to proclaim to you that Jesus is alive. He is not powerless. He is not without life. He is not without significance or movement in your life. He is not uninterested in you or disappointed in you. He is not ashamed of you. He is not condemning you. He is alive. He loves you. And he wants to redeem every single thing that you have embraced as death, as despair, as darkness, and destruction. He can and will redeem it. He can and will bring life even in the most lifeless situations. You must believe. You must believe. You must believe and then receive the gift that Jesus offers you in himself. The resurrection to new life. The payment for your sin. The forgiveness of your sins. The mercy and gentleness and grace offered to Jesus or offered from Jesus as Mary there standing in the garden in John chapter 20 with Jesus right in front of her crying like she's crying well I don't know where they have taken him where is he Jesus 
Jesus only does one thing to turn Mary's complete perspective around. He simply says her name. Crying, broken, dark, despairing, hopeless. Jesus says, Mary. And it was there in that moment where Jesus, or where Mary heard the voice of the Savior calling and saying her name that everything changed for her. Close your eyes for a moment. Jesus is calling your name. I don't know if you can picture yourself in your own mind right now in the type of room or place that you're standing in and what is surrounding you. What is whirling above your head or what is down at your feet or what are the voices screaming? What is the white noise? What is the loud noise? What is the thing that you're carrying on your shoulders or on your back? What is the thing that is weighing you down? What is the thing, the one thing even, that you have embraced as never going to change? And you see Jesus. And he calls your name. And your head snaps to attention and you realize that when Jesus calls our name and when we look to Jesus, that his resurrection power changes everything. As the worship team uh, comes back up this morning, I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing one more song. We're going to open our, uh, open our altar, of course, for anyone that would like to be prayed for, prayed over, or would like to come up and pray on their own. Heavenly Father, there are many things that we may come into this room uh, this morning expecting to see, expecting to hear, expecting to experience. Lord, I pray that every expectation that we have that you would completely blow it out of the water. Lord, even if we came expecting all of the good things, all of the right things, 
expecting to celebrate the resurrection and victory of Jesus over the grave. Lord, I, I pray this morning that you would even blow that expectation out of the water and that you would show yourself to us in such a magnificent and holy way that it is literally impossible for us to say, yeah, I don't believe that Jesus is alive. Lord, may the resurrected Jesus become not theory, not idea, not theology, but an incarnated reality of our life. Lord, as we surrender every darkness, as we surrender every circumstance, as we surrender every relationship, as we surrender every bit of brokenness that we have resigned ourselves to, Lord, every bit of darkness in our lives, Lord, we we ask and pray, Father, that you, by the power of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins, make us new with him, Lord, And every grave that we are experiencing, Father, would you turn it into a garden this morning? Redeem us. Redeem this place. Redeem this city. Redeem this world. Jesus, call. Call us by name. Call us by name this morning that we may be snapped out of our grief and pain. That our eyes may focus on you, our Redeemer, our Savior. Call us to your side, Jesus. We trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.